trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership. And the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join us today. Man, we live, our, our times are so interesting. We live in the most interesting times that I can remember, and uh, I'm, I'm not exactly a young kid. I know I sound like, you know, probably young, youthful 20-something, you know, <laughs> chiseled jaw the whole nine yards. Yeah, well, sounds are deceiving. This is the reason I'm in radio and, and doing audible, spoken stuff rather than television. But things are just getting crazy. And, and I'll give you a quick example of this. Um, the, the big ship that is stuck in the Suez Canal, this massive container ship, uh, is blocking shipping traffic both directions. I mean, it's the the scale of these vessels is just something uh, I, I've never seen before. And the pictures don't even do it justice. I'm sure the people on the ground, when you see a big full-size excavator next to it, and it looks like a little kid's Tonka toy, we're talking crazy scale of size and weight and forces and loads and so forth. But here's the kicker. And this is the part that made me go, oh, man. 2021 is going to outperform 2020 in terms of challenges. I was surprised when I saw the New York Post headline that said the backup of worldwide shipping. And this is this is severely impacting ships that want to get through the Suez Canal to get to their destinations. This could lead to another worldwide toilet paper shortage. I know I, I had to fight not to say a bad word when I heard that. I was like, really? Anyway, there's some other stuff that's in short supply these days. Maybe you've noticed ammunition. I want to welcome Spencer Worthington on board. Spencer is the founder and the owner of HSLAmmo.com. Spencer, great to catch up with you. You're a busy guy. You're not the easiest person to catch up with. Absolute pleasure to be here, Brian. Thanks for having me on the show today. Well, thanks for taking some time to talk with us. And, and one of the reasons, look, I'm going to be very clear. Two, two reasons. Number one, you are a sponsor. And so I want to recognize you as such, but you're also someone who is in the industry. You talk with and work with people on a day-to-day basis within the ammunition manufacturing industry. And so I have to ask you, how are things going? There was a while where it's like really tough to find it or very expensive to find ammo if you could find it. Are we starting to catch up in terms of production? Is there more availability? Are the prices still going to stay pretty high? What can you tell us? You know, I think kind of compared to the norm of, um, you know, let's, let's in the industry, a lot of people jokingly called it the Trump slump just because Donald Trump was kind of he was viewed as not necessarily an anti-gun president. So people didn't really concern as a lot of the discussions that are being had today for gun control. People felt like the administration wasn't clamoring after our firearms and they weren't they weren't trying to tax our ammunition, et cetera. So. For the last couple of years, it was really affordable. I mean, people, the, the supply versus the demand, the ratio, it, it was completely backwards to what it is today. And the demand versus the supply today, it far outpaces it. But so the cheap prices that I think we're, we're used to was just a really low lull that we were very fortunate to have. And for the people that were smart enough to take advantage of that, you know, good for you guys, because uh, the, the prices <laughs> that we've seen, you know, going into 2020 and now into 2021, they are very much inflated. And that's just the supply and demand. We are fighting tooth and nail for basic components 
um, primers being the biggest one. And that's just because primer manufacturing is consolidated into very few hands. Wow. There's very few companies that, that really make a, an influence on the, on the primer manufacturing throughout the world, for that matter. Not just here in the United States, throughout the entire world. So well, with that being said, um, it's been a little crazy, but I will say I'm noticing that I feel like we kind of have reached the peak. And I'm seeing little bits, little little glimmers of sunshine here or there that seems that um, assuming this gun control discussion that's starting up pretty vigorously, if this doesn't get too crazy, I could see things getting be- better. But my wife does tend to say that I'm more of the optimist than the realist. So hopefully that's <laughs> not the case in this issue. Well, and I want people to understand what Spencer is telling you here um, about, uh, you know, the prices being inflated. This does not mean that anufa- ammunition, ah, ammunition manufacturers like him are, are, you know, getting together to gouge everybody and take advantage because things are in short supply. This is the natural consequence of supply and demand when there are fewer desired items available for, uh, you know, a greater demand among the public. You're going to pay more to have those things. Nonetheless, Spencer, I know for a fact um, you have been very careful to try to hold those costs down for the people who you are a supplier to. Um, And there's an angle here, and I I don't want to make you blush because I know you're a modest guy. But I want to point out that you also have taken this from the, the standpoint of a business owner who has built a business that provides not just ammunition for your customers, but opportunities for work for your workforce. Talk to me about your workforce for a moment. Can we celebrate them uh, for a moment for, for what they've been trying to do to help keep up with this uh, current demand for ammunition? Absolutely. No, our, our team and guys are at the shop and some of your listeners may have even have had the privilege and the opportunity to have been in the store to see some of them. Cause I've, I've had people come in and say, Hey, we heard about you on, on, on the, uh, with, with Brian Hyde. And when they come in, they've gotten to meet our team. And I can say, you know, in life you have really high performers and you have average people and you have low performers. And we have really collected a team of people that have the highest integrity that you can possibly imagine that have, the utmost passion for the Second Amendment that have a work ethic like you can't possibly imagine. So my wife and I have been very blessed and fortunate to be surrounded by the, the, the type of men that choose to work with us and allow us to, to you know, purchase their time. So, yeah, the guys that, that are there in the shop, they, they are literally fighting every day, working their, working their fingers to the bone to try and put out as much as we can and, you know, some days, just, just to kind of outline some of the frustration, some of our equipment, being that it's very technical, um, as we get projectiles in from manufacturer, you know, three, four, five, six different manufacturers, one day we're loading brand A, and then we go to brand B, and then brand C. And so the guys are, are literally recalibrating machines and setting things up and dealing with stressors that they normally don't have to just to maintain production, but you'll see them just hauling around the shop, just trying to do everything they can to, to kind of keep things down. But a point I'd like to, a point of discussion I'd like to make where you were talking about prices a second ago, to the listening audience that uh, sees the prices where they're at, the primer shortage that's currently going on, um, what, last year we were able to buy a thousand primers wholesale from some of our distributors for about $20. Right now, we've had to pay anywhere from 100 to 150 dollars for a thousand primers. Wow! Now I'm happy to say the 150 dollar ones have, have been out of real, real tight situations and have only happened a couple of times. But last year, we were selling loaded nine millimeters, so that's brass, powder, projectile, and primer, as well as our labor to load it, quality control, package it, and make an honest profit. 
we were selling nine millimeter anywhere from 16, 17, 18 cents. And we've had periods this year where we paid $150 just for the primer alone. Wow. So one fourth of the components, <laughs> not even including the labor, was what we were selling live ammo for last year. That's how significantly different the market is currently. That's a great explanation. And the reason I have Spencer on today is not just to talk about what he does. We know, uh, you know, he runs a company, HSLAmmo.com, that, that loads ammunition. But I want people to understand why you do what you do. And, Spencer, I've seen firsthand, you are an ambassador to the Second Amendment. When there are new shooters who are, and there's a lot of new people who have just bought guns, millions in the last year, um, talk to me about uh, what you would want them to know, and if you could, tie it into that apathy that we were experiencing under Trump is no longer a luxury. Talk about some of the things that they should be focusing on. Sure, sure. Well, let me ask you a personal question, Brian. As a young man, when did you start shooting? Age 11. Wow. See, that, I mean, that's, that's a great age to where somebody is mature enough and physically capable enough to handle a small firearm. Now, how old were you when you got your first firearm? Like, when did Dad give you your first twenty-two or something? Actually, I bought my first shotgun, a single-shot 12-gauge, when I was 14 years old. <laughs> I paid 25 bucks for it, but it was, you know, my own money. And, yeah, I had my first twenty-two at age 15. And, well, let's just say after I turned 18, there was a lot of other things that, that came into the stable. Nice, nice. And honestly, I mean, does that surprise me in the slightest that you saved up your own money and, and uh, you know, bought your own your first firearm yourself as opposed as opposed to one of them being given to you yeah um, well and, and part of well, it was I bring that up because that gun culture that you and i grew up in because my my story is almost the exact same as yours brian i grew up in a pro-gun family where at age 12 you know my parents kind of set that as an age threshold that they said okay you know at 12 years old if you want to work hard and, and I, I remember buying my first little ruger 1022 for 80 dollars and um, you know, and that's and that's the life that some of us were privileged to grow up in, where we have that education, where we have that exposure. But as you're talking about, we have this huge segment. I mean, people don't understand. Like we hear the numbers that there's 330 million Americans, but when you factor in that there's seven million new gun owners and there's only what three million residents in the state of Utah, right? That's the equivalent of the state of Utah getting armed two and a half times over. Almost. Spencer, hold that thought the for a num- second. We're we're up against the break. Can you hang with me for one more segment? Gladly. Okay, stay with me. Spencer Worthington is on the line. He is the president and founder of HSLAmmo.com. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. I am very happy to have Spencer Worthington, the founder and president of HSLAmmo.com, on the line with me. And, Spencer, as we went to break, you were talking about uh, the, the gun culture that you and I grew up in and how many people are probably new to this. You know, we, you talked a little bit about the numbers of people who bought firearms in the last year, um, and, and it's, it's a crazy high amount. Talk to me a little bit about, uh, about what has happened to that culture of firearms, personal responsibility, and so forth. And, and talk to me about the duty that those of us who are already a part of that culture have towards those who are just coming into it. Absolutely. 
So like we were saying, as, as young men, you and I had the opportunity to be exposed to firearms when it, it's normal and acceptable to learn. When you look at a child and they don't know something, you look at them and you're happy to teach them. So I think as you get a lot of adults that are getting into the industry, one of my biggest concerns is that they don't want to feel childish asking, hey, I don't know what the difference between some of these different types of firearms. What do they mean when they say semi-automatic or lever action or bolt action or brake action? And so I think some of these adults that are now getting into our industry, they're afraid to sound uneducated or uninformed or, or they're, they're worried that they're going to have some big burly guy behind a gun counter be condescending towards them. But where I would like to open that door for an excited discussion for new gun owners, anybody in your listening audience that may be one of those, or if you know somebody that's a new gun owner, whenever somebody comes up to you and takes an interest in something that you're interested in, whenever somebody comes up to you and says, Brian, I read this book, did you read it? And you're like, yes, I loved it. Whenever you get the opportunity to have a passionate discussion about something you care about, I don't think you should ever expect to talk down to somebody or be expected to be talked down to. I think you're going to receive you, you, the message that they're going to hear is, hey, I'm here to talk to about something that you care about and I'm passionate about it. Let's go. And so anybody that's a new gun owner, take the opportunity to find somebody and open that discussion. Say, hey, you know, I don't know what this means or I read about this. Can you take me to the gun range? Let's go out and shoot. And so I think that's as, as a pro gun community, we have an amazing opportunity right now to to help break a lot of that miseducation that the media has put out from, you know, a lot of these unfortunate shootings or, you know, ridiculous things that's played in in entertainment media and movies and such like that, where, where you see, you know, the hero or certain firearms doing ridiculous things that people are uneducated about. So where you and I as young men were educated on how things function and what to do and how to be safe about it. We've got that life experience and our community does to go and passionately share that with our new friends. And I think, you know, and, and help me out with this one, Brian, what did, it was Reagan who said, you know, if you agree with 75% of what I have to say, then we can be friends. And I'm totally butchering the quote there. Help me out. That's something you may know. I wish I knew that quote, but it's, it, it makes sense. Don't let the perfect yeah. be the enemy of the good. Exactly. And so I think um, a, a good story that we had is, Right after the Parkland shooting, a gentleman chose to come into our storefront and he was just looking, he was just, you could tell he was just sad and frustrated about a really unfortunate situation. And he came in and he had his finger in the air and was kind of getting in my face, you know, foaming at the mouth and you think everybody should own an AR-15. And I very politely had to say, no, I don't think everyone should have an AR-15. I think everyone should have the right to own an AR-15 in the same way that we should all have the right to drive a car. But if you choose to drink and drive or other stuff, you lose those rights if you prove that you can't be responsible. But very politely, I had to ask the gentleman to calm down. I said, hey, I can, I can get some work done and go do better things than getting yelled at or yelling at you. I don't, I don't want to get into a pissing match with you. So I very politely had to ask the gentleman. I said, well, you look like you have a left-leaning persuasion. If you're, if you're espousing anti-gun beliefs, is it fair to assume that you're of the left-leaning persuasion? He goes, yeah, I'm proud of it. Good for you. That's okay. So I said, you're pro-women's rights. He goes, I absolutely am. And I said, you're pro-minority you know, minority rights. I absolutely am. And I said, you're pro-religion you know, you know, religion that may not be the majority. You may, you know, pro-Muslim, pro-anything else. And he goes, I am, I am, I am, I am. And I said, then why would you not want gun rights for your community, for the gay community, for the Muslim community, for your, you know, for women's rights, whatever it may be? 
And I just very politely had to say, but like guns are not for white male Christians. They're for the gay community. They're for everybody. And so the door I would like to open is if you're taking somebody to the gun range, they don't have to have an R next to their voting history. If you've got a friend that may vote a little bit politically different than you or may think a little bit different than you or may be a little bit different, that's okay. Because if they're going to be part of the gun community, you know, that's the audience. It's We can come together and agree on certain number of things. And it's okay to disagree on a couple other things. We don't necessarily want to disenfranchise anybody just because we're not 99.999% the same. So if a neighbor or a friend or a coworker might be a little bit different, but they want to go shooting, invite them to go shooting with you. And I think that's, that's a huge leap of acceptance that we can do to kind of mend some of the differences from, from the political left and the political right. Agreed. Now I want to, I want to ask you if, if a person is, is brand new, and maybe they're they're hesitant about, um, you know, they don't know anybody yet. Okay, they haven't been around the shooting community. Where can they encounter people, and and people they can trust? Because I assume trust is going to be an important issue here. What would you recommend? I mean, is for that matter, is it okay to go to the gun range and hang out? <laughs> you know, and 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 ask questions of people. Is that just going to irritate them? Are there people who will be helpful? What are your thoughts? If I was working behind a gun range counter. And a young lady or a gentleman or anyone for that matter, I don't care, age, sex, whatever it may be. If somebody came up to me and said, hey, can you show me this gun? Can you show me this? And not just to make a sale. It's not a business perspective. It's, it's again, going back to the, hey, I, I'm curious and I have enough respect. You look like a person that knows what you're talking about. And I want to get that information from you. If anything, I think that's just going to stroke a guy's pride saying, wow, like this is a person that respects my knowledge. That makes you feel good inside. Absolutely. Go to a gun range. Absolutely. Go to the gun store. I mean, something as simple as a a sportsman's warehouse, a Cabela's, Bass Pro, some of the great gun ranges that we have here in Utah. Go there. You can cautiously wait till you see somebody that you can have a, a conversation with, find somebody you feel comfortable talking to. Just very politely say, hey, I have a few questions and I will guarantee you 100 percent that that person will be excited to talk to you. 100 percent. You don't have to you don't have to be an expert and you don't have to know everything. There are a lot of people in the community that would love and be excited to share that message. And so for the listening audience that are knowledgeable in in the uh, the operation and use of firearms, be that person. Go out. If you notice somebody struggling, if you see somebody at a gun range or somebody fumbling or being concerned, take the opportunity to just be just say, "Hey, can I give you a hand? Do you have any questions?" You and Go through that learning cycle that you may take for granted that somebody did for you a decade ago or two decades ago or whatever it may be. Because at one point in time, we all didn't know what we were doing, too. So we have a huge opportunity to just be excited advocates and encourage people about how much fun this can be and what an, an integral part of our society this really plays. And so, you know, yeah, this is a, this is an exciting period to to shake off the, uh, the, the apathy that so many people have had about gun rights and gun knowledge and gun ownership so if we keep this energy going i think you've got seven million new voters that are going to vote to maintain and protect these rights and how it couldn't be more critical with uh you know the the democrats currently holding a, a majority in several of the different offices right now and and again i'm not trying to bring up and say that they're bad guys or anything like that but there are a lot that do hold the belief that gun control is the right way to go, whereas I will politely and respectfully disagree, whereas I think 
education and individual responsibility is the way to go. Spencer, I love your optimism, and I love the fact that uh, you're, you're inviting people to be a very active and positive part of the solution rather than just, uh, let's go protest politicians. Let's show people the positive side here. Um, your website is hslammo.com. Um, thanks again for taking the time to visit with me. I know you're a busy guy, but uh, very good to catch up with you. And I would encourage everybody, go to the show notes. There, I have a link to Spencer's website. Let's talk again soon, shall we? Absolute pleasure, Brian. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for having me on. This is The Brian Hyde Show.